Welcome back to Recast. Um, today is a wonderful day, and of course, Julie is laughing because how I I'm introduce sorry. the podcast every fucking time. But here we are again <laughs> at Recast. Um, you know, we've only been in counseling how many years now? Anywho, um, the couple that laughs together stays together <laughs> can drinks that. together because they're staying rated. together. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> the couple that laughs together fucks together. What? Like, is no. that where we were gonna go? Laughs together, slaps together. Oh, God. Anywho, well... What an intro. Sure, yeah, we're going to go straight from that. Um, Today, we have um, our good friends from the Mental Podcast, uh, Seth and Michelle. And also, um, Michelle runs Bookish, and Seth is on uh, the Fade to Gray podcast as well. Um, So, guys, uh, introduce yourselves, and uh, yeah... Seth, you want to go first? <laughs> I will go oh, first. Seth. I know. I was waiting on you. Uh, my, my, I was on mute. <laughs> whatever. My name, is, my name is Seth Showalter. Um, I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up in Northwest Missouri, and I run a podcast called Mental uh, with Michelle Collins, my co-host. And I'm also part of the Fade to Gray podcast. We've been around for about a year. Uh, to two years, and we just released a network uh, called the Fade to Gray Network. In Yeet. fact, this podcast, the Reapcast, is a member of that. So pretty excited about that. And yeah, I'm a corporate trainer for an insurance company, and I'm also a licensed clinician uh, in social work and have a master's degree in healthcare administration. Um, I talk a lot about deconstruction, and I'm gay. So there you go. <laughs> I like how he threw that in at the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> Side note. Slide that in there. <laughs> what about you, Michelle? Uh, I am Michelle Collins. Uh, I am Seth's uh, co-host on Mental. Uh, that's recent and new, so we're still getting used to one another. So that's a lot of fun. Um, I also have my own Love podcast you. through Choir Publishing. It's called Bookish the Canon Continues. And in case you're not catching on there, it's about books because um, I read I read a lot. Um, I am an accountant. I have a master's in business administration. I'm currently working on a doctorate in psychology. Uh, I own my own business. I am a bodybuilder. What else do you want to know? <laughs> I'm a loudmouth, opinionated woman. Oh, we love those That's around why here. I, it's, why, it's why you need to check out mental. Uh, I keep I keep the rants to a minimum on there. (laughs) Seth usually gets them in private. (laughs) I'd like to turn those live at some point, but we shall see. 
Well, I'd be very interested rant in that. all you want here. That is pretty much the premise of this show is just one long rambling of a rant um, <laughs> that somehow people are okay with listening to. <laughs> I think you just described every podcast ever. No, like <laughs> Fade to Gray and Mental, like our movies that molded me, all those, and even Elizabeth's podcast who we had on uh, Foreign Toe is like put together. This is just like, here's our shit. Listen to it. <laughs> Like, that's just how that's it one is way here. way to put it. <laughs> like, we're Joe Rogan without being successful or cool. Like, those are, the, that's what we have right now. <laughs> Yikes. Um, that's just what it is, you know. So, why don't you tell them why we have the cast of mental. <laughs> <laughs> the cast. Can you call, the can cast. You call the, cast. The, the cast of mental. The, the hosts, is that a better word for it? <laughs> The, the, the host of Mental On here. They're yes. doing a series right now. So, yes. Um, they're doing... Uh, Mental Podcast is doing... A, or Seth and Michelle are doing a um, series on imposter syndrome. And honestly, um, it seems like, well, most of us pretty suffer from some degree of imposter syndrome to some nature because, well, that's just kind of how life in America has, you know, treated us and made us to be in a way. Well... Um, we got to talking and wanted them to come on and talk about what they think about imposter syndrome in the church, um, or if the church just outright breeds it and it's kind of its fault since the church has played such a big part in American culture from go, um, even with the separation of church and state, that's just pretty much done nothing to separate the two. Um, so you can't almost have America in non-church in the same thing it's it's a rarity because of how much it's in the the bloodstream of the country um so yeah so that's what we're talking about today imposter syndrome in the church and is it the church's fault pretty much <laughs> like everything else I think that's that's one way to say it i don't know if you can entirely blame things on the church however i think that there are things within christianity and within the church that uh, may trigger or emphasize certain parts of it. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. So then my first question would be to help those people out there um, who don't know what imposter syndrome is, guys, what is imposter syndrome? Because I didn't know when I first heard it. Like, I knew I heard of it, but I didn't 100% understand, like, a lot of it you know so what is imposter syndrome um seth you want to start sure uh essentially this is a little crass but it's an internal experience of intellectual phoniness uh to break that down um, people that are struggling with imposter syndrome often experience intense feelings that their achievements are underdeserved or undeserved and worry that they're likely to be exposed as a fraud. Uh, feeling as if the who you are, the, your accomplishments, the things that you have achieved, even though you have achieved them, imposter syndrome is feeling as if those achievements are, are, are not good enough. Essentially driving home that message of I am not good enough that there is something wrong with me and that what I have achieved is not worthy. 
What do you think about Michelle? Would you agree? Yeah, I think that was actually a really good. I like intellectual phoniness. Yeah, that was good. You should have said that in our series. <laughs> I did say it. Did and you? you I don't and remember you commented that. and you said, oh, well, that's a little. I don't like that. That's a little too strong. And I was like, well, oh, it's a different like, day. I Any was like, given day. That is literally the terminology the researcher that developed them. No, I agree. Phenomenon. That's literally textbook how they described it. So I think that I had an adverse reaction to it from a personal perspective. Ah, that's what the negativity was. But the actual description, that's very apt. Um, uh, it's very apt description for what you're experiencing. It's basically being afraid that, yeah, you're going to be found out to be a fraud, no matter how well earned your accolades or your degrees or your accomplishments are. Um, somebody is going to find out that you really don't know what you're talking about. So, and it's very demoralizing and limiting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I feel added on that description. <laughs> like more than I should. Describes most of my life. <laughs> right? Mine too. <laughs> no. And it's ironic. I didn't know I had never heard of it either. And then I happened to come across it reading something one day and I was like, what is that? And I went and looked it up and I thought, holy shit, this is my life. Mm. Like and they had a little test online that you could take and I took it and like I scored above. <laughs> They're like, okay, you need to sit no they <laughs> You're going to need to sit down and take a breath, but no, it didn't say that, but that's how it felt because I hit every marker. Wow. So it, it's pretty bad. <laughs> so is there a, I'm just going to sidebar question. Is there a difference between imposter syndrome and actually not being, uh, what's the word? Like just, yeah, you're legitly not qualified for whatever it is you're feeling. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you know when it's, yeah, I'm really underqualified for this and I just feel like I'm underqualified for this. Like what's how do you tell? Hmm. I mean, I can only go from personal experience. So like I've done all the work uh as it pertains to the business world. I, you know, I have the accounting degree, I have the masters in business administration. I own a business for over 20 years. I still every time I work with a client wait for them to tell me you don't really know what you're talking about. Oof. compare that to somebody who doesn't have that education or that experience level and them trying to offer advice that they've read on the internet, they really don't know. Right. And, and so there, there is a difference. Um, but the, but the biggest difference there is, again, it comes back to what accolades or achievements or degrees you've actually earned hmm. and you still don't feel qualified. So a lot of that, and we talked about this on the last uh, episode that it'll be coming out this weekend, talked about the difference between imposter syndrome and just a poor self-image. Because mm -hmm. I, when describing this, because I have both imposter syndrome and a poor self-image. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> can, Me three. When we talk about this, I automatically kind of, you know, it, it came out that I was talking about poor self-image rather than imposter syndrome. And Michelle's like, okay, we got to, we got, we got to, we got to address this because there is a difference, mm -hmm. but they also run so closely together. Right. Wow. I guess that's what makes it, makes it tricky. Yeah. Well, again, and, and we've stressed this a few times in our series, it's not diagnosable. This is not in the DSM-5. It's not in the diagnostic manual at all. Really? So it's not like you can go see a therapist and they're going to diagnose you. Oh, you have imposter syndrome. This is just something that some research that somebody came across. They started recognizing uh, symptoms of it and they did some research and some study into it. And they, 
it's not diagnosable at this point. So wow. I guess you can make the argument. Oh, that's just poor self-image. Mm-hmm. And and again, they are going to feed off of one another. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So that's a, but that is a distinction that needs to be made is we're not talking about anything you're diagnosed with here. You right. can't like go get a diagnosis of imposter syndrome and then go get a, a, a script of a medication. Uh, this <laughs> right. Is it's not, not treatable, actual... I would assume. Well, it's treatable. There's, there's ways to work around it, which we talk about in this last episode that's coming up. Um, go listen to it. <laughs> yeah, listen to it. But honestly, I mean, as far as a cure, so, so to yeah. speak, I, I don't know that I think that's something you have to continually work on. Okay. Probably a lot like a self image issue. It's something you do have to continue to work on, because it's going to sneak back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and really, I think the key in all of this is self awareness. And we talk mm-hmm. about this in our episode, but I want to bring this up because it isn't necessarily about I'm going to take these steps and I'm going to be fixed or I'm not going to deal with this anymore. It's more Mm. about becoming more in touch with your own emotions, your own experience and recognizing when it's coming up and being like, okay, let me step back. Especially we talked about the four P's of imposter syndrome, uh, perfectionism, procrastination, paralysis, and people pleasing, like recognizing when those things are presenting themselves and being able to kind of double check yourself and say, Hey, what, what's happening here? Right. Gonna write those down. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so funny. Cause as we talked about them, we were both like, Oh my God, I do all of these. <laughs> like every single one. Usually like, in that order. Continually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, and we, I've talked about this on the show, but Unfortunately, I wanted to do this podcast, especially bringing Michelle on. I was thinking, okay, I've got I've got some credibility with me now and I can come at all these issues from a very psychological, you know, third person perspective, objective. Yet, no, unfortunately, that's not how this plays out. Um, (laughs) I uh, most of the things I talk about on the show, I am personally struggling with. And that's why I can speak about them. So uh, we wanted to do like a mental minute in our shows, but essentially impo- for imposter syndrome, every episode is the entire thing is a mental yes. minute. It's We don't need a section to talk about our lives. We talk about our lives the entire time because we <laughs> can much. identify with the material yeah. so much. And of course, Seth, he wanted to be all professional sounding and I did. You know, outside the bubble. And <laughs> I drug him into it and said, this is relatable. So suck it up. <laughs> Open We're yourself going up. Let's go. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I mean I think that's important because like like a lot of people suffer from this and it's like one of those underlying things and there is no fix for it there is no diagnose for it you know right. um, it's not like PTSD where you can go okay you have this um, here's how to here's some therapy that's going to help with this you know because there's no medication for right. PTSD. Um, right. unless it's, you know, unless it's like you have anxiety from it, they can give you medicine for the anxiety or other mm-hmm. parts that come out of that. Um, but you know, but that's really, that's, it's insane. So honestly, um, imposter syndrome is just, uh, does it, does it come out of trauma or does it like, where, where does that come out of? I know a lot of stuff comes out of trauma. Some comes out of cognitive 
you know, just things we do to ourselves, self-trauma, I guess. Um, where does imposter syndrome come out of more so like, where does it first manifest? Is it people feeding in or us feeding out or vice versa? Where, where does that happen? Well, they, Sorry, my dog's barking. That's why yeah, I was yeah. muted. <laughs> they contribute. They but, always contribute. Little loud mouths. They are, um, well, they're they're smart dogs. <laughs> they're pain in the ass. <laughs> they're supposed to be on their downside of the day right now. But um, to answer the question, I you know what? That's a good question. I, I think for each person, it, it probably comes from a different place. Again, you know, we we compare it to that self image issue. So there's there's a portion of that that maybe you know, you're struggling with who you really are anyway. And a lot of times that'll lead to one of two things. Either you never accomplish anything because you feel like there's no point or you over accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I tend to be that I'm the overachiever. So I go above and beyond on everything, but yet there's still the societal expectation of a standard of excellence. Mm -hmm. Right. And nobody's ever going to hit it. Mm -hmm. And so we're all faking it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. We're all just faking it. We're all just trying to be whatever we need to be on the stage that we're on for the moment. And the problem with that is, and and we know this from watching a movie or watching a play or anything, an actor on a stage, some people are going to love everything about them and other people are going to be like, they suck. Mm -hmm. So you're sitting around waiting for that review, so to speak, of I didn't hit the mark. So it comes from a, a lack of self-esteem, a lack of self-image or a poor self-image, but it's exacerbated by the by society's expectations, by our own expectations. And then it just creates this little vacuum in your mind that continually sits on the idea that I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And it just, so a- anything that alludes to that, you seem to suck into yourself and it just feeds and feeds that idea. So it's the self-perpetuating cycle. And it, it's exhausting, quite honestly. Anybody that has dealt with it knows it's exhausting. You feel like you're in a hamster wheel all the time. Or at yeah. least I do. Yeah. I don't know. I can only speak for me. I can hard relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, I think go ahead, Seth. Well, I think a lot of it can also be attributed to, I mean, what they've, some of the research that um, we did kind of revealed was a lot of it can happen, especially like when you're younger, um, things tend to kind of imprint um on on your your own identity and who you are and then how that will then shape out once you start seeing success yeah um and 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 something that i want to throw out like when it first if i really look at this when did this first reveal itself or how did it reveal itself comparison um i think that is so common and 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 so like just part of our society that we're constantly especially with social media and everything that's happening there we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people and and we do it in in such a way that it's like socially acceptable but what is that really doing to us and i think that can be at the root at least for me of when this of how this presented um was constantly comparing yeah, well, I, think I mean, that's a good point. Well, I mean, I can completely relate to that because like looking back as a homeschool kid, you know, you're always being compared to in a weird way. Like you're not like the public school kids is kind of the thing. Like be happy. You're not like the public school kids. Be happy. You're not like this kid. 
Mm-hmm. And, and some of us in the homeschool community that breeds hierarchy, um, like I'm better than them. You know, it's like a natural thing. Or it breeds like, well, why am I different? Why, why am I different? You know, um, why, why do I have a problem talking with kids my own age? You know, and I, I talk with more adults, you know, and which isn't a bad thing. You know, I've, I, I grew up having these type of conversations early, early on, you know, very heady, very intellectual conversations early on because, well, I talked with adults more. But that still created, like you were saying, that comparison even slightly. But I didn't even know that was a comparison at the time. You know, it was just subconscious. But again, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And looking back, it's like, damn, it's like that. That sucks. <laughs> I can distinctly remember and I don't know how old I was. Quite frankly, I don't remember if I was in elementary school or high school. But I remember having a conversation. Now, everyone in this podcast right now has gotten to know me a little bit and knows I can be a little serious and, you know, doesn't always get the joke, you know, maybe needs a little help, that kind of thing. So Sometimes. Can you imagine me uh, younger? <laughs> so my mom, in a way of trying to help me, you know, one of the things she would tell me is why can't you be more like Billy, my cousin? Why can't you be more Mm. like Jordan? And and these are my younger cousins. And it was, why can't you be like Billy and be funny and just lighthearted and carefree? And why can't you be like Jordan, who is athletic and outgoing and gets all the girls? You know, so there was this coming from my parents and what that kind of did to me internally kind of set me up for this when I started to actually see success because at the root it was kind of ingrained in me that there needs to be something more Um, that I in and of myself am not good enough and then you throw in the gay stuff and it, it all goes to hell. But, you know, that <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at an early age before that came out. So I think looking at those young like when you're younger, those interactions, which may not seem like a big deal um, to the parent. Right. Because you're saying a thousand things a day. Um, but some so of we are talking about lame. trauma to some degree. And I think it. Um, and it may not be trauma, like somebody being, you know, violent with you, but all of those things are trauma based. And, but see, I come from the other side. I come from a very traumatic childhood, physical violence, sexual violence, all kinds of stuff. And so when I left the house, my goal was always to look normal. Like none of that was happening. And so I was always waiting for somebody to find out that, that this was all happening. Mm And so, yeah. you know, you're, again, it's like being an actor on a stage, you're, you're doing character development, you're trying to be whatever the situation calls for. And, and so it just becomes habit. And so as you, as you grow into adulthood, you're still doing these things. So again, even if you've earned, you know, whatever it is we're talking about, whatever area we're discussing, if you've earned accolades in that, in that area, it still feels as though you're trying to present your best face, so to speak and waiting for somebody to say you're a fraud. So I, so I do think it comes out of different, tra- yeah. different kinds of traumatic events, 
probably early in life. And then it's just, like I said earlier, it's exacerbated by society. It's exacerbated by our own expectations, maybe even our family's expectations. Work. I mean, because Seth and I talked about that. A lot of people that's, that suffer with imposter syndrome are high-functioning people. Yeah. Um, they're the, that type A personality, that very driven personality often. Um, so it's mm-hmm. it's interesting that so many of those kinds of people are actually the ones that are are suffering the lot the loudest sorry you're good can you say it again after they (laughs) you okay (laughs) (laughs) yes dogs understand human Uh. speech yeah, I feel that. I feel that on a, such a big level. We have one dog, but she's lazy um, completely. She's a sheep dog. Mm-hmm. And so she's active at night only. So she'll come to the bed at like 12 a.m. like, you want to play now? You want to play now? I slept all day. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bonnie. Bonnie's a hoot. But we have cats, and I despise the all five of them. So. <laughs> I, I'm going to share this, which, Michelle, this is, well, I'm going to apologize before I even share Oh, this no, story, not that. It's going to be very much self-promotion Please of do. myself. Oh, do it. Get it. But do. this is actually good for me. This is actually good <laughs> for me to do. But in, in talking about imposter syndrome, um, I'm on DereepCast, so I feel like I can talk about this pretty openly. I, I recently um, got a new job, and 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 went from being a clinician on a lot on a phone um to actually being a corporate trainer training the clinicians when they come into the agency and only training licensed clinicians i only handle the clinical side of the business and in coming into this i really started to feel like a fraud um that i was not cut out for this that i was not going to be successful and it literally crumbled me from the stress to a to the point that i have told people i had a mental breakdown like i literally broke down to where i thought i was a fraud i thought i couldn't do this i thought i was not up to par um and i was really i know i know do you want to guess what happened (laughs) today what happened Hmm. today i get called i mean i didn't get called I had a meeting today. I had to reschedule everything around for this big team meeting, okay? And this isn't just a team meeting with like my team, but like the entire department, the uh, chief transformation officer, essentially the CEO of our department or what, I don't know how, I don't know how that works. She's chief something, she's big. (laughs) So there's 77 people in the Zoom call, okay? Oh, wow. the directors are like doing call outs and it gets to my director and she says, well, I want to talk about a few people, but first and foremost, so we, I want to call out our new, one of our new hires um, on the training side. Um, and he's done this. He, he did a webinar on mental health first aid and he went in when the ransomware attack happened in April and actually went in and worked on a team that he was no longer a part of after because he was promoted, but he was no longer on the job, but he went in and worked. And he also has been working on training 
with those departments, with their clinical teams, and it's like all this stuff out loud in front of 77 people. And then like mentioned all the other trainers that I'm working with in passing. You know what I'm saying? Just mention their name. <laughs> and wow. literally the director said, <laughs> Seth got real uncomfortable. And, and I was like, okay. So, <laughs> very, and I'm very uncomfortable now in, in sharing that. But, but this is the thing is that I 100% you fooled them good. I was a fraud <laughs> and still do. <laughs> so, you know, there's it I did. I did. Just wait. Yeah, they're yeah, they're shoe to drop, yeah. What is it? It's that that waiting for the shoe, the next foot to fall yep. mentality. Yep. Yeah, the other shoe to drop. drop. Yeah. yeah. They're going to um, figure it out. I man, I feel that. <laughs> but I mean, that's awesome, dude. Like that is that is amazing. So proud of you. Like that is. Like, so I mean, I, good that job. Is good. I, I, I wanted to apologize for self promoting, but I'm no. I'm sharing this to illustrate Not a allowed. point <laughs> that I had a like a legit mental health breakdown. The stress of not feeling like I was good enough, that even with all of my successes, that I was not cut out for this. You guys, if you've been in the Fade to Gray family, Marco Polo, know I lost it. Like, I almost left Fade to Gray. It got so bad. I, it, it was not pretty. Um, and all of it was not even real. It, it's me and I, that's the impact of imposter syndrome and really why our series focus so, focuses Absolutely. so much on yeah. our lives because yeah. this is so real. I, literally, I have a coach and uh, for bodybuilding and that's one of her go-to well. questions to me on a weekly basis yeah. is how are we with the mirror? How are we with uh, who you are right now? And uh, any given day that, that answer will change. Um, but I, I totally get that that mm. sense of being uncomfortable with those kind of accolades because it it puts this spotlight on you that you're already afraid of. And you're trying so hard to look like you deserve to be there. And so so as I said, that's yeah. one of her questions to me. And and one of those statements that she made to me not too long ago is as you're getting ready to mm -hmm. compete, you're gonna get more and more positive feedback. How are you gonna handle that? And she actually said that, how do you plan to handle that? Because I know this is a problem for you. And I don't know, to be honest, because mm. it is difficult. And, and, and Seth and I talked about this. It's, a, it's almost a sense of, you feel as though you need to be humble. You know, you've been trained in the church to not think more highly of yourself than you should. That humility is such a positive. And, and so immediately, in the idea of even Seth apologizing for self-promotion, that's a defense mechanism that we're trained and it's deeply embedded in us to say, well, it's not supposed to, I'm not supposed to be the focus. God's supposed to be the focus or somebody else is supposed to be the focus rather than saying, I earned that damn it. And Seth, you earned that. Yeah, whatever. The first shall be <laughs> the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. <laughs> that verse doesn't oh, even to celebrate mean ourselves. Play just found a soapbox. Like, mm, <laughs> mm. About service, humbling ourselves. <laughs> well, on that, while I was listening, and this is kind of how the subject came up, while I was listening to y'all's podcast, um, I. I'm an introvert, so it takes me a while to process what I hear. And so it was pretty late in the evening and I was watching a show and the thought kind of hit like, 
doesn't the church do that to us? Like, doesn't, isn't that what a lot of the, you know, how the church teaches the Bible? Um, they're at one point, you know, telling you that, you know, you know, earn, you know, get more knowledge, get more knowledge, get more knowledge and, you know, rise in whatever, be the best in your area. But at the same time, they never really right. allow you to arrive. They never allow you to feel like you've done right. enough and you're never good enough. They never allow you to, okay. We never reach perfection. Yeah, yeah. we're never going right. to reach perfection. Yeah. We're always, you know, sanctification is a lifelong goal, and you're, you're going to get it when you get to heaven. And until then, keep well, working. Well, not even that. <laughs> so, like, when you're, so, like, I chased um, church leadership for a long time. Um, you know, I became a Christian. I wanted to go in and help people. Um, and at the time, that was inside the church. I want to help people inside the church. So I want to lead because... Honestly, it's really hard in our standard m- makeup of the church to help people effectively on the ground floor without being right. able to make the decisions. And it's a fucked up way of doing things, and that's not how the church is supposed to be, but that's how it is right now. Um, but at the time, you know, so I, w- I want to go lead. So we got into leading, and, you know, we get shipped out to this little podunk fucking nowhere in Texas. The town literally has a thousand people because they lied on their population map so they wow. wouldn't be annexed <laughs> by the other city. Like, that's literally what came about, you There's know. There's, like, 500 people, maybe. There's, like, 500 people proper. There's a train that goes through it. You know, we served on every board in the town. You know, I was the chaplain for the fire department. All these things. And we're doing all these things in the community. And so we're at this church. And I'm like, okay, I want leadership. You know, I want to be an associate pastor. I'm a music minister, but that's short change. Anyone who can play a guitar is a pastor at a small <laughs> church. It's just how it is. You know, um, that's all churches in general. If you can you know, play an acoustic guitar, you want to be in our worship. Yeah. League? And of course, Julia was children's minister because she's a woman um, and knows how to read, you know, she's a woman. Um, <laughs> you know, it was an I SBC think the church. church is against women. That was that was below the belt. <laughs> Seth, you've been on several podcasts now. This is your third run on repeat. No, Michelle's not. A, is Michelle is disgusting. We about that because multiple times. Here's, I'm not even I close to kidding. A half an hour before we sat down to do this, <laughs> I know it was. But a half an hour before we sat down to do this, up pops this little thing in my Facebook feed. One of my friends is sharing it. Now she's sharing it from a perspective of, can you believe this shit? But literally, it's a, a profile on Facebook, and I think it was called the Transformed Wife or whatever. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. What the fuck is that? Oh, no. Oh, oh my God. No. And so this one was centered on the fact Jesus. that men are looking for debt-free abuse. virgins abuse. with no tattoos. Abuse. I was like, give me a break. What the hell? And this oh, is a I've woman putting that. this shit I've out. I've seen that. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, your model. Is yes. it buying a car or is are women in church now like car buying? Like, look, you can get this blonde you with know what? debt free. There, there was like, a woman's face behind there. the trans. I, I thought that's who. And I, I've MacArthur never seen the site before. It is so I was John like, MacArthur with a dildo am I looking at? Ass, okay. Uh, oh, it's been around for a oh, long God. time. Yeah. I was under a lot of that. Um, that kind of influence those Nancy beliefs. Lee DeMoss. Oh, no, she's not that bad. She's bad, but not she that bad. She used to be worse. <laughs> um, like the first five Ugh. years of our marriage or so, that exactly. was exactly what I was under. That was kind of the teachings that I was, you know, you want to talk about imposter syndrome. 
<laughs> that is, that is exactly what I was holding myself to. I'm like, if I can get there, like if I can get to this yeah. ideal biblical women, I can fix every problem in my life. It's my fault. I'm the reason why, you know, I, I didn't know I had depression. I didn't know I had anxiety. I didn't know you had bipolar. Um, I didn't know we were in an abusive pastor. Um, uh, what, what, what even were we in that so, church? Servants? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the power structure between all of this is going on and I'm sitting here going, it's me. Like I'm yeah. the reason, you know, I'm not working hard enough. Um, mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, a postpartum depression, like all these things checklist. were stacking and I'm just sitting there going, it's, I did not read my Bible enough. Yeah. I'm not a holy enough wife. I'm not, I, I had so many checklists. <laughs> She did, and like she wanted me to take part in them, and I'm like, this is bullshit. Oh, uh, and that would cause a fight because the checklist are holy. We had several fights where it was we need to pray together every single night. Embarrassed by Um, that, but then they're done that. uh, Oh my god, yeah, we tried. tried that. Uh, Honestly, exactly right. Honestly, I'm just gonna (laughs) say this: you're supposed to invite God into the bed with you, and it. Whoa! 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 Jesus is not coming into any homosexual's bedroom. That's not occurring. So you're supposed you to can, you can. the bed next together and get into holy place together. Holy I'm going to tell you, it ruins the mood. No I can tell you. Well, I mean, that could be interesting, but I don't think that should occur. Seth, I need you to realize. Yes. Yes. It just really like, does. Do. Just like Santa Claus, Jesus is always watching. Oh, God. Well, of yeah. course. I mean, he's jealous. I mean, what? Okay. Well, that's weird. <laughs> And that's specifically been said to me that God is watching you having before. sex and and, and and taking joy in the fact that his creation is enjoying yeah, his creepy. creation. Just, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to like that. Okay, cool. Check. <laughs> just say, okay, yeah. listen, just say amen at the end and let your life be the prayer. Like, just... Yeah, let the action so, be the prayer and say amen at the end. So, are you saying sex is like that interpretive dance with the sticks that people uh, do in church? Yeah, we you all, you all know what I'm talking bed, about. No. Yeah, as the long flags as you bullshit. don't bring a tambourine oh, into bed, that's a different kink. <laughs> well, I mean, you can, but that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> that's not. That's not this podcast. <laughs> But no, that, you know, the transformed wife, that those thoughts, that is, you, um, I, I grew up being told that's who I needed to be um, from my mother who, God save her, but <laughs> she, she, you know, had 10 kids and she held herself to the same standards. So she made all of her own, like, she made all the bread, she made all the meals, breakfast, wow. lunch, and dinner. We barely ate out. We barely had processed foods. She homeschooled all of us. Um, you know, and we were at church every single time it was open. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I grew up and, you know, they didn't get divorced. So obviously they had a great marriage, right? That's how it was told to me. And so I, you know, went into our marriage going, that's who I need to be. Like my mom was this great, powerful, like she did so much, you know, you know, as I grew older, I was like, oh no, there's so many issues here. <laughs> but, you know, I grew up under yeah. that, um, uh, under that 
modeling and going that's that's who i need to be i need to make all of our meals i need to my mom was up at 6 a.m every morning reading her bible it's like and you know i am not a morning person i've tried so hard all those christian devotions were like you know you know you just need to get up before the kids and you need to have your time with god and that will make your day better and so I would get up at six with postpartum depression and a one-year-old who is very clingy and go, you know, I'd just be sitting there crying like I am trying. What is wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Um, you know, and I and I, and I tried so hard for so long to be this, yeah. you know, uh, person that I thought I needed to be. And I hated myself. I hated myself for years because I could never get there. Like I'd get, yep. I'd, I'd be doing things. My friends would be like, oh my, you're doing so much. I'm like, no, it's not enough. There's, I, I, there's this, uh, this goal that I need to get and I get there and I'm like, no, it's not enough. I need more. And so I just keep setting these impossible goals and getting there and then, you know, crashing and burning for two weeks and then doing it all Absolutely. over again. Uh, it was, it, and it just, and you know, all those influences from church fed that. They kept telling me, you know what, yeah. you need, you know, you, you, you feel a little down. Maybe you should try yep. re- you know, memorizing your Bible. Maybe memorize an entire book. <laughs> the more of God's word you have in your life, the better your life is going to be. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I do it because I trusted that they knew right. what I needed to do because they're obviously <laughs> older than me and accomplished because they're leaders in a church and that's who I needed to be. Let <sighs> me <laughs> <laughs> take a breath here. Well, well th- that's what the church does. They, they give us this impossible goal of achieving something. And then once we actually fucking achieve it and they're like, oh shit, they did it. Like, I didn't think that was plausible in a month and a half, but okay, they did it. Well, here's a new goal. You know, like I remember changing our entire marriage, how we worked. Um, You know, usually when I get off work, I need an hour to like detox and like breathe. Well, I stopped doing that for a while Mm -hmm. and just started getting into things and doing things that led to stress and other things. So I, I did that and made that work and we did all these things and it, kept doing that so much and they kept telling us you got to do this got to do this got to do this got to do this and always changing that goalpost and always moving that hoop next hoop to jump through that even in our next church which was better um starting out coming from that i constantly asked like well what's next and they're like Mm -hmm. what the fuck do you mean i'm like am i doing good you know like i was in charge of the soundboard and training people on a soundboard that i've used twice but I, I, I understand that stuff. I, I get the mechanicals and how it works. That's just how I am. And so we, uh, <laughs> but I kept asking, like, you sure there's not, like, someone better here? You, you sure? You, you fucking sure? Mm. You know, and all mm. those things. And I know that's smaller than the bigger issues of imposter syndrome. But it's still an itty-bitty thing that you, looking back, it's like, no, I, I knew what I was doing. You know, I, I I knew how that worked and how that happened. Well, and I want to add one more thing to that, and I don't want to like over over talk y'all because I know you'll have something to say. Um, but um, the volunteer aspect of church, um, the way they have at least in all the churches I have ever served in, because when we whenever we joined a church, we'd be like, all right, volunteers, where do you need us? Because we are both extremely versatile in how, where, where we can, I can be in kids. I can be a door greeter. I can be, I, I, <laughs> I cleaned the church that our last church for three years. Um, and sometimes it was just me and one other lady 
with my three kids, while someone watched my kids, I would clean this. Uh, how big was it? It was, it was like a 9,000 square foot building or something. It was fucking massive. Uh, it would take me two or three hours to clean. And, and, and I did that and wrote and, um, you know, made up their kids ministry stuff and um, slideshows and decorated the stage. I did so much. But it was never like they would always be like, all right, what else can you do? Sorry. Um, like what else, you know, and that's how it is in most churches. It's not, you're good. We will find, so we have 800 people here. We will find someone exactly. else to fill in. It's okay. Let's get the people who are all already volunteering. What else can you do? Right. It's, it's never, you are doing so great. Thank you. You're done. Go take a rest, you know, have this whole month off. You usually have to ask for it. Um, uh, that kind of, and, and it's never again it's never enough you're never doing enough for the church it's always what else can you give us what else can you sacrifice um and i think that kind of feeds into that um at least that's what i think i could be completely off here but that's what i <laughs> that i think that for me has shaped a lot of mine because mm-hmm. it's never i'm never doing enough for the well, church I think that lends always, into that what else can you do what else can you bank in for god's kingdom you know? we're always <laughs> you know? trying to be good enough and better than um, and the church does feed on that. Uh, it, it's human nature. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that we can say that the structural part of church feeds into that, but the people certainly do. The people that make up that structure, of course, they're gonna they're gonna key in on somebody that's obviously willing yeah. to help and has different multi talents. Yeah. They're gonna say, "Well, we'll take as much of that as you can give," um, because I was the same way, and I think a lot of people. Uh, especially that are higher achievers actually are working multiple different areas in church. Uh, And they, and again, they don't feel like it's enough or that God is not pleased because we haven't given a hundred percent, you know, um, but it never occurs that, wow, I should be able to just walk in this building and sit down and be at rest for a while that I should be able to be fed, if you will, and using church (laughs) language. I should be able to be fed for a while because that voice inside our head is always saying, you need to achieve more. You need to do more. They're going to find out. They're going to know you're not a good Christian. Um, You know, they're all of these things are going to come out. So you have to be busy enough to distract them from finding that out. Yeah. Yeah. And then I want to take this just one step deeper because not only is yes. it the action, but it's what that action then sends to like your identity. It, specifically looking at you're <gasps> doing all these tasks. And and for me, it it was very much intertwined in the church's <laughs> waiting for God to move. Mm. Waiting for the spiritual Oh, that was I said that weird. Waiting for the spiritual awakening, or or waiting for Jesus to reveal something. I there was it, it was always like the next Friday night. You know, like if it didn't happen this Friday, it's gonna happen next Friday. And it, there was this this continual momentum, right? That's happening on the spiritual level. Well, then you're trying to achieve 
and prove to everyone else that you are this Christian, that you are this, this person, and you're doing all of these tasks. And what you're legitimately doing is you're running yourself into the ground and you are psychologically defeating yourself. Yeah. And, and I think that the church both uses, uh, uses pe- high achievers, people that are willing to do those tasks, but then also uses the, and I hate to say this, but spiritual manipulation. Oh, yes. Of, yeah. of, this, oh, yeah. of this next thing um, that, that we're just, it, it's just, it's just around the corner. I, like, and I don't even know if I ever, when I think about it, I mean, I can feel that again. Like even just thinking back to it, but I don't know if God ever did reveal himself. Like, I don't know what it was that, that actually ever happened. I guess it was just the feel good feeling I got during worship, but I'm just trying to remember what it, what evidence was there that this was ever done? Well, now you, you start getting into <laughs> other subject matter here because it, it, coming back to there it. is a mimetic anyway, phase that, that you go through. In I, went on, I went on a rant. There is, uh, you know, this crowd surge, if you will, even in small churches right. in which the atmosphere is set up to be emotional and emotionally charged. There's an expectation of certain events happening. And if one person is experiencing it, oh, they're going to know I'm a fraud if I don't experience it. So suddenly I'm experiencing it as well. It's very mimetic. Um, it's very human nature. And yet we attribute it mm-hmm. to God. And yeah. say, oh, this is the move of God. Well, no, this is the move of people being very keyed into yeah. comparison. <laughs> uh oh, Seth has something to say. <laughs> Get it. Whoa. Whoa. What are you doing to the Holy Spirit, Michelle? Okay. <laughs> what are you doing to the Holy Screaming Spirit? Screaming it. That's what she's we doing. We have movements of God in the church. Okay. <laughs> you mean to tell me that we ended up, you know, letting worship go till two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> all hyped up, waiting on the Holy Spirit to speak, feeling the move. I people going off into corners and crying other mm. people laying down prostrate uh, in the aisles and, and and you mean you mean to tell me that was just that was just the it, this this maybe what do we want to call it intrinsic energy exactly of, of people what's it called what's the that energy? is it's absolutely accurate. minor c now that now that was rude. That was Absolutely dis- accurate. That That's what I'm saying. Every worship leader out there knows how to set up a set to lead you emotionally that. into every where they single want song. And where the pastor may want you to be. Yep. Oh yeah. Well so And if you have lights, if you have a yeah. light show. I miss it so much. I, I was I, a light designer. I, I do. I do miss it. Too. I was a light designer. Like that was one of my jobs. And because I could, I'm good with colors and manipulating that stuff. And That's the right. reason I was chosen over that position Absolutely. in our last church, because I got the best emotional reaction from the cloud with my set design. Mm-hmm. And so they, I would, you know, get the set list and I tell them, give it to me. Okay. We need to move this here. That's a different background. Set these colors. They're the going to fade here. They're going to flash here. You know, we're setting up these scenes 
And this was two hours, three hours, yeah, three hours before the first service. And there was three That's services. Right. And every in between, you're making adjustments because the third service is more ki- more this than that. So we're going to change this here. you know. And so we're designing this to become that. And, we, and, and, and it's so, like, I, I knew this, that this was what's happening. But looking back, it's like people are never going to feel they're worshiping God ever again because the emotional youth camp high that we all get, you know, isn't there. Look, there's, there's a lot of value and benefit to being able to read people like that and to know what's going to work to touch them on an emotional level. I'm not discounting that at all. I am saying it gets manipulated and it gets used nefariously. Um, Neuro-linguistic programming is absolutely something that works. It's fantastic. It's learning how to read people. It's learning to speak at a cadence that works for them. It's learning how to use words that they identify. And it's about changing the timbre of your voice, the intensity of your voice Mm -hmm. to lead them emotionally where you want them to go. Yeah. Yeah. Now we call that the Holy Spirit. And I'm not discounting the Holy Spirit, Seth, because I've had plenty of individual experiences in my house Preach. with the Holy Spirit. But as soon as I step into a building where there's more than five or six people, I guarantee you it's less of the Holy Spirit and more of human nature involved in the process. Come on. But we're in a church. We're all worshiping God. So we call it the move of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Yeah. Well, because we, we, one, we take that verse where two or three are gathered together. Oh, I am God. there with you also, blah, blah, bullshit. And, no. um, you real? know. No. Well, I don't think there has to be two people for God to be with us. I mean, yeah. I mean, most of I'm just get, like most of my experiences with God has been me absolutely by myself. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. It's not been with other people. There has been times where I have had an emotional breakdown in church, which is not easy for me to do because I do not like showing emotions in front of other people, especially very strong ones that aren't positive. Um, I will literally go hide in the bathroom until I'm done. Um, I don't, I don't do the sit in the, uh, sit in the pews and cry and have other people come around me. I'm extremely, I'm extremely (laughs) uncomfortable with that. I hate it so much. I was one of those guys that come around and pray for you. Were you? Oh, no. You, you, put the, you put the cloths over people that were slain in the spirit. I'm all about high achieving Would you and getting lay that on hands? I used to do that. Uh, I, I still to this day can't, I, I can't cry in front of other people for, unless there is a damn good reason um i like to cry anytime uh, I, first of all it exhausts me it makes my eyes <laughs> swell it makes my throat hurt i hate it yes yes i, I do hate it so I yeah it and happening I in public to, is even worse when yeah. i well, i cried that's almost why... every church service. <laughs> that's precious you were baptist <laughs> then <laughs> Yes, I was Southern. <laughs> thank you very much. But See, right there. In See? that way, I was appreciative to the... Uh, this is going to sound so backwards. I was appreciative to the emotional side of music because it allowed me to tap into where I usually am very... I repress myself a lot, so it helps me feel emotions that usually I'm like, Mm-mm, I'm, not a, I'm not comfortable with those emotions. We're just going to stuff those really deep down. But it allowed me to feel emotions in a safe way at least when I felt safe um I was but at the same time I knew like this is all just 
this is all just fake. Like this, this is all because, you know, I'd see the pastor do the exact same hand movements, the exact same thing, all three services, because we were a, we were a, you know, we were there every single service, you know, if the church was open, we were there. And so I saw him do the exact same thing, get the exact same motion, the exact same time. Um, Like, I'm like, this is all just, it becomes, it becomes a play. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. When it does that and it just creates so much of that, imposter syndrome in people well no and, and i'd sit there and question it. like maybe it's not and i'm just being a cynical bitch <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god i've said those exact same words so many times it's not even funny like, like maybe wow it's i just, am really awful okay, maybe it's just me maybe they love the lord this much and i'm just awful no they I'm love just the a money depressed that much. jerk <laughs> i'm sitting in here with my arms you know like you know all these people and I've walked out of church services before because I was pissed off at what they were saying because it's like this doesn't make any amount of sense. Like you're 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 taking advantage of people and their emotions. I'm done. I just walk out. Doesn't it feel Honestly, good though to walk out sometimes? Though? It does. Yeah. Like I I have done it and and I have found it joyous. And <laughs> and not only that, I always wonder and I I always give a look back. Right? Yep. Yep. Just to see because I, I want to know. Right. <laughs> Who's following me? That's... Who is going to try to get me? You. Who yeah. is noticing me? Because if I'm going to do this, I'm making a scene. And uh-huh. I want someone to feel so compassionate that they will reach out and pray for me. Because maybe then Jesus will work. <laughs> but, you know, oh. there's just hope. There's Ow. hope. <laughs> Even when walking out. Okay. I went too Honestly, far. Honestly, by, by the time that we were leaving our church, um, it, it was over a, like a nine month process. Mm-hmm. Um, we always had seats up front. Yeah. We were right in front of the pulpit yep. when, and the pastor was our best friend for 16 years. Ugh. And, and so we were always up front. And I remember when I started to really question and really started to push back, I have a very expressive face. Yep. And so I felt very uncomfortable being that close up front yep. um, because he was going to notice. And so we started sitting elsewhere in the, in the sanctuary to the point where he made a uh, a comment about it from the pulpit, like I'm oh. so, I don't know what to think because the Collinses aren't up front where they normally are, and it's funny because it almost served as an example of of our evolving you know journey of out of the church because we kept moving further and further back. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so self-conscious yep. about my face. Like yep. there's a, he's going to know, like, I can't, I can't keep the disgust off my face about what he's saying <laughs> or the disagreement or whatever it was. It's literally me. I would just sit yeah. there and put my Bible down and stare at him. It and was, I am not a confrontational so, person. So I thing, don't like that but, at all. And it would piss me off so <laughs> much that I'd be like, what? So the funny Did part about that say? is I would be up in the booth, which is in the, like the second rafter for, you know, overhead seating because the booth was upstairs. And when, when I knew Julia was in service, when he would not go to the left side of the stage. Yeah. Because he would start avoiding when Julia was in the front row. I always and sat right faces. behind him and I felt bad for that. So I moved to the <laughs> left quadrant and, of the stage. And so he would stop going when Julia was in that service to that side of the stage and would like do like I a juke, come that. over and go back, juke, go back. Like he would not go to that stage. I was doing it on purpose and I tried and to so just kind of stare down and just. Yeah, because no. it happened to be that the tr- where those seats are, it's just enough in the stage lights to where he can see your face well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But uh, uh, just noting, uh, as y'all were talking, I and 
I don't know if it was you or um, um, Seth, but they're saying, you know, maybe if I work hard enough and I do enough, I'll be able to feel God that, you know, moving in my life. And in those three years where I was working myself literally to tears, I would go home and cry after church because I was so exhausted. I just need a break. I just need a break. But no, no, no. I feel, you know, I'm supposed to feel good after church. I'm supposed to feel alive and rejuvenated for the week and I just go home and cry um those three years is when I felt absolutely nothing from God when I had been you know all of my life had this really close connection I I don't know any other way to say it but those three years I was serving in this church I was trying to serve my way back into where I was comfortable back to where I felt like I had a relationship with God and I did not at all those three years it was absolutely numb and, you know, as y'all were saying that, I was like, oh, damn, that's what I was doing. <laughs> I was trying to work my way back into a relationship. And it was always, well, maybe I'm just not working hard enough. Maybe I'm not serving enough. That Maybe that's why God's silent from me. Maybe that's why I don't feel anything anymore. You know, and I was on meds. I was trying. I was I'm still guinea pigging. I'm still trying to find the one that works. But, you know, I was just like, what, what, what else can I do? What else can, where else can I throw myself at in order to feel something again? Because I hadn't felt anything in years. And I got to a point where I had to just say, I'm going to stop for a month. I'm going to do church at home. And I made a deliberate choice. I'm going to do church at home. I can't, I'm, I'm, I, I hate church. I hurt, I hate myself. I hate everything about Christianity right now because I'm so exhausted and it doesn't seem like anything is working. So I'm going to do the one thing I haven't tried yet is nothing. And I stayed home for a month and didn't, didn't talk to anybody on the team. Didn't, you know, and I was at that point extremely involved and I just, I need a month off. I just, one month is all I need. I just need to take a break. I need a vacation. I need something. Um, and I felt really guilty the first two weeks and then really good the third and fourth week. And then I got fired. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 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 then they kicked me out because I uh, took a, took a break and I was, how damn dare you take a break? Uh, I it, can't believe that. Uh, I, I was, why would you think you're Jesus. allowed to sit down? I, yeah. Right. This is a, this is church. This is service to the Lord. Exactly. Not That's how serving, it's presented. Not uh. serving is not doing your job uh, and, um, and god's displeased yeah <laughs> if if you aren't throwing your life away for the church what you know in fact i mean i don't know how you're still able to have this conversation with us right now <laughs> about your repentance <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna it's go very pray much a problem though i mean I, I when we when we were told we were leaving i i remember that last sunday they prayed us out and I went home and the next weekend, I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. I was always so yeah. busy that I, I literally sat on the couch and I couldn't stop wringing my hands. I, I had to have something to do. And I started writing. That's when I started writing wow. even more religiously they, than I had church, previously. The church turned you into an author. Well, <laughs> I was writing previous to leaving, but yes, they That's definitely God's started me down that path. In disguise. Yeah. <laughs> I actually I actually started hiking on Sunday mornings. I would I'm like I have to go do something that's going to take hours because I was used to hours of my Sunday being gone. So I started hiking and for 4 years every Sunday morning I was hiking. I was doing 15-20 miles a week. Wow. So that I came what? home exhausted, which I was used to feeling. I came yep. home and felt like I had 
you know, commune with God in nature, you know? And, oh, wow. and so I had to do this because I couldn't sit still. Now I don't hike as much anymore and I'm much more relaxed. I don't mind sitting in my house on a Sunday morning now. Yeah. Um, same. It, it takes a long time to detox from some of that crap. It really it just, does. So I, does. So I, if I understand this correctly, the church turned you into an author and also subsequently turned you into a bodybuilder. Well, I was a bodybuilder years ago, so I just picked it back up. <laughs> just more dedicated. Turned me into a hiker. <laughs> I want to be a hiker. We don't it's have exercise. any good places to hike here. It's all desert yeah. and rocks. We're in Texas. Oh. You walk outside and it's 110. Where are you? We are in Stephenville, Texas. What um, is that? Where, it is it two to? hours. Uh, so it's two hours. It's south of Fort Worth. South, oh, okay. Southwest of Fort Worth. So we're in between Fort Worth and Austin. Um, oh, okay. Do you know where Weatherford or Granbury, Texas? Granbury, yes. Okay. Yeah. We are 45 minutes south on yeah, 377 of Granbury. Okay. We're I grew, I graduated town. high school in Arlington. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. All of my fa- a lot of my family still lives in Texas. My daughter now lives in Austin. Oh, okay. Um, I have I have a brother in Waxahachie. At my dad's in Seymour. Uh, I've got all kinds of family. Another brother and he's in Arlington still. So I've got a lot of family in Texas. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. There's not a lot of hiking there. I where I live, there's hiking all around us, uh. and I love it. But we're getting ready to move across the country, so I'm hoping there's going to be hiking. There <laughs> where too, are you so. moving? To Tennessee. Oh yeah, there's hiking there. I hope so. A lot of Let's rednecks see. and and you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, Republicans. Um, I know a lot of those. You're kind of freaking out about people. that. You know, you're you're you, you're going to fit in so well. A yeah. strong, opinionated woman. Yeah, get it. I'll Change the you. world. Change the world. <laughs> There's going to be a lot more Golly. rants, Seth. <laughs> I kind of live for your rants. Do you really? I always feel guilty after I rant to you. I'm always oh, like, God, I shouldn't ever. do that. I shouldn't. I shouldn't take advantage of I that way. love it. However. <laughs> They would be great material in the Marco Polo. Save them. So profane, though. I mean, they don't. Have, have you, you? Have you? But I mean, I'm just saying, I love them, so don't ever stop. <laughs> you obvi- again, obviously, haven't listened to Reapcast, um, or or been enough time we're, in the family. Um, no, it doesn't matter if other people are profane. I don't judge that at all, but I do judge myself for it. Yeah, um, it's me. But but as yeah. we were discussing earlier, as we were discussing earlier, there's just nothing quite like the f word for yeah. so many different things it just it's, is applicable god gave it to us need strong words yes i agree well and you know and i was in the marine corps years ago and of course but everybody curses, you know, and I used to make excuses. I'd be like, well, Marines are kind of stupid. So you either have to curse at them or draw them pictures and I can't draw. So <laughs> this is why I'm profane. But then I really had to straighten myself out after I got out of the Marine Corps and I started having kids. I'm like, I really need to clean up my act. And I was so good for years and years and years. And it wasn't until I think right before we left church, I started using the F word again, but only in front of my husband. And usually I would, I would go fucking hate that i would like limit you know i would make myself very quiet when i said it i don't i don't make myself quiet anymore when i say it <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much the neighbors know when i'm upset now. so but it's so funny that we do that to ourselves well you know and because we're taught to we're, we're taught know, to we're be conditioned. that that different person we're conditioned to be this complete you're facade. supposed to be in the world not like, of the world you're supposed to be better than that amen 
Like, Amen. Like I remember Julia first came to me with Preach. cussing, and it was from unlearning, which a, a lot of you, most people would know now as bad Christian. That was like bad Christian beta was that the was unlearning blog, wa- blog site. It out. And they had this thing about cussing, how it tra- it's different for each people. And they talked mind. with uh, the lead singer of P.O.D. because um, that year he came out and then the last few words of his album was um, like something like, fuck you guys. But where he's at in the culture he put himself in, in like this inner city, like that was a term of endearment. That was like a, a spiritual term. You know, I mentioned this uh, before the show in a Marco Polo, you know, like, I'll ask my friends, how are you, bastards? Or I'll be like, what's up, slut? You know, and it's it's a common thing, and that's okay, and, and that's a, an okay thing, but we've been so conditioned that these terms, and so, like, I feel guilty for using it. I'm like, well, am I demeaning them? And yeah. they're replying back with, like, I don't know, hooker, what's happening? You know, like, and <laughs> so, like, it's it's a term of endearment, we know, but, like, we've been so conditioned by the church to do this, so we just feel like... Can I just confess something to the world right now as a Christian, Uh a believer in Jesus? I thought I was so much better than you because I didn't cuss. (laughs) Our first six years, he cussed all the time. And I'm sitting here going, I'm I'm such a great Christian at the same time. I'm a godly wife. I have to help my husband. I have to. You know that (laughs) you know, that verse that says, you know, you're going to win them over with your Christian attitude. That was me. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make him stop cussing. And, and then I read this blog and it just, it, maybe it was the Holy Spirit talking through Emery. I don't know. <laughs> but I was in there like, they're exactly right. Me saying shit and me saying crap. It's the same thing. The same content. It's the same when you, uh, subject. When you, read that, when you read that blog, were you alone? Yes. Oh. I was alone in my kitchen. Then it had to have been the Holy Spirit. That's right. If there were like <laughs> two other people in the room, we could have attributed that to oh human beings. I had two kids at that point, and they were taking oh. a nap. Oh, it was them. Nope, nope, that it counts. <laughs> that counts. That counts. I was laying in my bed, reading my this God. blog while they were taking a nap, trying to get some form of sanity in my life. And I'm just like, it's the words are the same god wasn't saying don't use coarse language as don't cuss they didn't have cuss words like they didn't have the eight you know the the r-rated movies that you they ha- did couldn't too. say they had you brutal okay, you they had bad vipers, words but it wasn't son of a bitch it's not the same Scabula. like i mean <laughs> now, brood of vipers cannot be a curse word because it's... jesus said it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and Jesus never used strong language. Jesus never called people fools, and uh-huh. fool was attributed to you, dumb fuck. <laughs> like, like, literally. Was more like you worthless person. You shouldn't exist. You Kill piece yourself. of shit. It's, it's, it was bad. <laughs> well, I, that's what cracks me up. The people, and I've had people come back and say this to me, like, well, you're going to have to give an account of every word you've ever said. And I'm like, I find that to be highly doubtful. Yeah. I, I really feel as though when we're talking about what is pleasing to God and what is displeasing to God, it's more about how we treat one another. Yeah. Than it is about the the idioms that we use. Uh-huh. It, it those are so cultural anyway. If if I'm in England and I say the word bloody there, that's a curse word, but here we're like whatever. 
Yep. You know, so how do we put a value judgment on words like that? It, it becomes societal imp- impact. That's but it gave me a platform, Michelle. It gave me a platform to feel better about myself of to course. other people. <laughs> I didn't say the f word. And yeah. I didn't say the d word. Sometimes I said heck. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm I looking- still struggle with this though. Like, like I, I'm, I know. I'm same. Much- so in conversation, especially if I know the other person's okay with it, I don't censor myself. Um, if I'm by myself, I certainly don't censor myself. And if you're in a car with me, all bets are off because <laughs> uh, I am not a nice driver. But it, honestly, if I'm if I'm writing like for public consumption or something, I still it takes everything inside of me to include a word like that because I'm, yeah. I'm like so worried about who's going to judge me for that. And they're going to say, see, you're not a real Christian. And again, I'm going to be on that stage trying to make sure that I live up to the hype. And someone in 10 years is going to pull it up and that position that you were going for, they're going to pull that up and you're going to be canceled. Exactly. Canceled. (laughs) That is my fear. I'm like, anything I post online, if I want to do something great one day, it's going to come back and it's going to make me this awful person. Everyone's going to hate me. So I'm never going to publish anything online that is any way controversial. (laughs) Then I'll be a perfect person online and nobody will know. Honestly, it's, it's very, it's very upsetting. I, I was laughing the other day because I post pictures of my getting ready for bodybuilding now. And I'm like, I am literally more comfortable posting my ass on Facebook now than I am writing the F word on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, more- I, I, like it, it, I'm like, oh, that's not as bad for some reason. Yeah. It, neither one of them should be a problem in all honesty. But, <laughs> but I sit there and I'm like, I do freak out about those pictures too, by the way. <laughs> but I do, I get so concerned about I, my I language. will. I will say it, it is pretty, it requires a very, very strong level of vulnerability. I mean, I will be honest with you, Michelle, I would not do it. I could not to do, do it. what? I would post pictures of myself. <laughs> I thought, it's, write, it's, write it's, the word fuck. Where <laughs> or yeah, show your all hands. of it's vulnerable, it's, to be honest. It's true. But, but literally that is that is me pushing myself because mm-hmm. a year and a half ago i wouldn't be caught in a pair of shorts in the gym yeah and now right. i make myself wear the the smaller shorts because if i'm going to stand on. on a stage in front of a bunch of people and be judged for my physique i've got to get Come used on. to people being able to see it yeah but yeah it is very it's very daunting to do and and of course i've taken some shit for it i get the private messages you know mm. i get oh, private Jesus. messages that are just a little on the offside. <laughs> You, but okay. And then so, I get but, the damning, you know, private okay, message. Okay, but this is also something that I want to just throw out because you're it. not going to like me doing this. Uh-oh. And I know we've Never been mind. talking a long time. Uh oh. Oh, you're good. But Michelle, you're kind of a big deal. I am? To who? <laughs> okay. Honey, I'm a we, big deal. We went, we went on <laughs> Facebook Live for conversation that I don't, I mean, we went on Facebook Live. You, we get off, and you have like six private messages <laughs> from people complimenting you, and it's because you are a published author. You are a published author. Well, soon to be. You're with Choir. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how your affiliation. You had a you had a podcast on Choir, and you have a book eventually coming out on coming Choir. Out and months. you like know. Like all of the other choir authors, you <laughs> have been on all of their shows. They're all of the social circles. You like just show up in St. Joe, Missouri and like freaking Brad Jerzak turns around and freaking knows who you are. It was in Colorado. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's in St. Joe now. But I, 
I don't know. I'm just saying. I am not a big deal. I'm just a mouthy person. And I've, I've argued with enough people that <laughs> they know who I am. But what that also gets you is a lot of messages of people telling you some pretty shitty things. Mm. You know, you get the complimentary messages, but you also get the people telling you some pretty shitty things. Can we go there? Go let's, where? Let's go like there. What? Like what? Yeah. I don't even remember what the subject matter was. I was discussing with somebody one time and I got a message from him telling me, you're going to hell. Let me know what, self, what sulfur smells like. What? I can't imagine Whoa. saying that to somebody else. Over, How over fucking pictures? rude is that? And is, or is something you said. Like, is something this religion? I said. Oh. Is this, well, of course it's religion-based. It's yeah. Just you. yeah. So but that's not very Christ-like. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, well, that was my point. Is, I'm like, oh, you sound like a it, good Christian. <laughs> it is when you're held to the standard of it's your job and you have to be the, the knight in shining armor or right. woman in shining armor to save the world. It is your job to save the soul, so you have to be perfect. If you don't speak the hard truth in and, love, yeah. they're going to go to hell and it's your fault. You know, um, Paul right. and Peter, they spoke hard truths. They were, you know, they were just very abrupt and stern uh. with it. Um, and, and Don't so, you like how people always, though, put themselves on the on the same level as Paul and Peter? Um, they're always the watchman on the wall. They've always they've all been called by God to be the mouthpiece of God. It's always it's it's the prophet syndrome. Nobody's yeah. ever nobody ever cleans toilets. They're all called to be prophets. <laughs> well, my favorite well, thing I'm is just so thankful one of them was gay. I, that's what I just said that I feel. Who was like gay? I Wait a minute, Paul. Oh, come on, for real. Paul was not gay. Oh my gosh! Oh my yes, god! Was. What do you think was the thorn in the side? And why is <laughs> no the man idea. constantly I don't really talking about sex other. and marriage? He's he did like younger boys, something. and oh. he had a thorn in the side. Timothy, it's. it's Ooh. I think it's bad. I think he's. Ooh, now, you're, now you're gonna hit some sacred ground here. Ooh. I mean, I mean nice. okay. I, I have a nerd I, alert. I agree. I agree with Seth a little bit on this one, um, for the most part. And I always thought about that, just like I think David was by. Um, Wondered that too, honestly, because the Jonathan, stuff he said he with Jonathan, Jonathan had a really different relationship. So, like, it was cute, but it stopped being cute <laughs> about midway you through. You don't find that description of Words. a guy and another guy anywhere else in the Bible. If that was such a common, like, the guys were my doing heart really is good your heart, uh, and, and that's why and, the Bible is so like, confusing. Because you read that and 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 then you think, oh, this is okay. Oh, this is okay. <laughs> and then then, then oh. you scroll a few chapters. <laughs> Right, and it all changes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a city. We're gonna burn it. Yeah. And I understand it's not about homosexuality, but you know, no, it's been used. So. But of course, that's what everybody thinks anyway. Of uh, yeah. yeah, but I love how people quote Peter, and they're like, you know, he was educated. Actually, Peter wasn't. No, he wasn't educated no. at all. He was a fisherman, the lowest on the totem pole of Jewish society to and some he was nature a fisherman degree. Because he couldn't, he wasn't smart enough to follow a rabbi. Yeah, yeah and he couldn't, and he didn't finish the first round of school either. Exactly. Like, so Paul was the only one that was educated. The rest of them were like, "Look, we saw some shit. We said some shit. We're here." Like, like, and that's it. An educated man would not stand in front of 5,000 people and go, y'all killed Jesus. Good job. You suck. (laughs) (laughs) It's essentially his first sermon. (laughs) But thankfully, God's going to have mercy on just just a little bit. Just a little bit. I think and I think that's funny. We're, you know, coming into the, the talk about the Bible is is that the Bible honestly doesn't the Bible itself doesn't lend itself to an, an, this this cultivating imposter syndrome the way the church does. 
because it literally tells us, especially the New Testament, hey, you are, it makes you are statements all the time. Right. And most of them is are, you are prized, you are, um, right. you are valued, you are all these things. And then we see like Jesus talking, it's always you are more than what you are. Um, and we overlook those. constantly giving value back to the people yeah. who had been taken right. value away from. Right. And, and never never to the people who were very high in society. It was always like, no, right. y'all need to, there's people down here that uh, need love too, guys. And we <laughs> do always look at the moments. Go ahead, Seth. I see you. Yeah, I see it going. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> He's winding up. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I don't agree um you're allowed to praise the lord i don't think that it has not been my experience okay as a homosexual it is very difficult for me because when when we talk about god talking about being prized and god talks about you are chosen and god talks about you are forgiven like all of that has always come with an asterisk for me, but not for God, not from God, from people. Mm-hmm. There's always been an asterisk. Right. <laughs> yeah. There is always. I don't know who it came from, but there has always been an asterisk, yeah. and it is specifically now for me. No, I'm talking. I'm talking myself. I'm not speaking for anyone else. But for me, it's always been around being gay, and I'm not trying to steal the conversation here. No, no, I'm you're saying you're on that topic. the church. The church, get it. There's always been an asterisk, so I don't. That stuff that we talk about about God being love, but God being grace, God being whatever. When I fucking look around Christianity today, that is not what I see, and that is not what I experience. And you know, it's just like Gandhi said. You know, I, I like I like your I like your Christ. I don't, I don't like, like your, your Christians. Yeah. Right. And I just, when you, when I hear you talk about that, it just, it rubs me wrong because that's not been my experience. And it is something that I truthfully very much struggle with. And it's partially what keeps me out of the church. Can I just say, I relate to a tiny bit. It's not as definitely not as severe as being homosexual in the church, not even close, but I can say that I can relate to that as a woman in church. And again, down here like that's where i'm at um but it's always you know you are equal you are loved you are called to do these great things but except um don't overstep yeah Yeah. you need to be quiet do not talk to a man in authority do not you you can't do these all these things in church you actually can't do because you were born with a vagina (laughs) like that's it that's the only qualifier you can you know i i i outread and out memorized the bible 50 times more just for that reason because i'm like i'm gonna be the best and always knowing i'm never gonna be able to use this not in the way i want to not in the way i feel like i should because you know the the you know the grace and the power of the holy spirit is limited because i have boobs like that there's nothing (laughs) i can change about myself that's going to change that in the church of right now i can't change any part of me to make me acceptable to the people who claim to love jesus um and again i know that's uh, that's like white privilege like <laughs> like but i i can relate to there's being an asterisk asterisk going 
God loves you, but God loves the guy just a little bit more. Or God lo- God loves these specific people just a little bit more. You're you're there, but you're kind of down here. Well, yeah, and you don't Seth, get all I, of it. I completely understand that, mostly because, like, and I, I've talked about this with you before. I was on the other side of that, where I was your asterisk. Like I was that person giving the asterisk. I was on that side, and I. But I, see, that thing about it was so was I. Right, and and and. And I like I mourn that part of me because so much of my life and friendships that I could have had with people who I knew were closeted or they confided in me in youth group or something like I would distance myself then because it's like, uh, and like I mourn those relationships lost to some great people, you know, or that kept me from reaching out to coworkers. You know, I was a barista for a while who, you know, I, I don't know why, but. Um, LGBTQ loves being a barista. Um, yes, like we love coffee. Like, like it's just uh, they they flock there. And, and well, and it's an eccentric Why, job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, and so I got to know a lot of people there. And for a while, it was pushing them away because I was that asterisk. And you're right. Never in the church will you not be an asterisk. But I wouldn't say never. Well, uh, in in when I say never, it's in the modern church. In other churches who are with it and value people over some bullshit method of something, you won't be. It's really hard to find. But it's really hard to find that because we're so caught up of these imposters bitching about other people struggling to be imposter. You know, like that's what this is. It's hurt people hurting people. And that's really all the church is. I hate that phrase. But well, but it's, it's true. It's projection at its finest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's people assigning blame or guilt somewhere else so that yeah. they can then ignore their own, their their own shit that they are not showing anybody. Again, are you coming back to your imposter side? Yeah. Um, nobody will notice me being fake or a fraud if I can point out somebody else's problems. Yep. And I will say this. <laughs> I don't, uh, you just said it in the church. You will never not have that asterisk with God. It's never been there. Right. Here's the problem. Here's the disconnect is that we are conditioned by the people that say they speak for God Mm. and they say it erroneously because as soon as we speak to somebody else outside of love, we are no longer speaking for God and it doesn't matter what the condition of our life is. God was, Jesus was uh, representing God. He was all about reaching out to those that were the undesirables of their culture, not the people that stood up front and were the, oh, so mighty. I'm so humble. I'm so well-spoken. I'm so perfect. I tithe my spices. Exactly. (laughs) So, oh, thank you for not letting me be like this sinner. Yeah. That's what we have been conditioned with. Seth's got something to say. How? And I'm I don't even. Are we talking about imposter syndrome? Or are we talking? <laughs> well, it all well, goes together. It all it goes together I, so how, well. <laughs> how? And I know we've been talking so long, but how do you? How Michelle? Okay, so hear me out here. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should maybe do this on our own podcast. But <laughs> how? How do you go from? Because I intellectually understand everything that you're saying, mm-hmm. and not only do I intellectually understand, I agree. Right. How you know they say the longest different the longest distance in the human body is the eight inches between the head to the heart. Right. And what? How do you get? How do you connect those two on this issue? Because that's where I'm hung up. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing I we talked you, about. I get you, but I can't get there. 
It's the same thing we talked about the other day with imposter syndrome. How, how do we get out of this? How, how do we function around this? Well, it comes Come back to learning to accept ourselves. And I'm going to go out on a psychological branch here, Seth, and say uh, that going. even though you live your life as a homosexual man, you still do not accept yourself. You still do not. You're not okay with yourself. Shots That's fired, Michelle. That's Shots what I see. fired, Michelle. And and I say that in all love, because this it hurts isn't even our show. The recast, it hurts me so much. Fired. It hurts me so much to say that because I know that that's difficult, but that's what I see. And that's why when you told me not too long ago about this whole conversation where people were trying to convince you that you were okay as gay and you were struggling with it. And I told you, it's okay to be who you are right now. If you're still struggling with guilt and shame, that's okay because that's where you are right now. But allow yourself the, the ability to evolve. Allow yourself to see that somewhere down the road, it's okay to be who you are. And for you to accept it because I love you just the way you are. And I see complete value in you. And you know what? So does God. You're the only one that's struggling yeah, with but it. See, I can't. And that's okay, okay though. But I, uh, I, uh, internal homophobia is a real thing. We all know that. Yes, it is. But, yep. Yeah. But <laughs> there was so much cemented in Christianity's yes. uh, operation in my younger life yes. from, cause it wasn't just church. It was church. Yes. It was family. Absolutely. It was everything. I was at church five days a week. Yep. Right. Okay. My mom, my aunt, my uncle, we all ran VBS. My dad was the worship pastor. My uncle was the pastor. Like this, we ran the freaking church. All of this is so freaking ingrained. So for me to then believe something that goes against the very foundation of not only my faith, but my identity, it's like I need another big event. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, it's almost like, and I don't, I don't know what that would be other than Jesus coming up and being like, Seth, you're okay being gay, which is not going to happen. Okay. And, mm. and, and so that's where the, that's the problem. That's the crux. There needs to be some type of new orientation. And perhaps you can call that the coming out process, but by golly, that took a long freaking time. And I was <laughs> in and out of the church and people's beds like nobody's business <laughs> and, and, it, and it lasted a very long time and it's still going on a little bit but you know it's about progress i just don't know how you really have that event and 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 i guess that also comes down to this head in the heart but i i will say that in our last episode um that's of the imposter syndrome series that michelle and i covered we talk a lot about self-affirmations and i think that that honestly for me personally is going to be where my answer is found. But I, but I'm also not really wanting to go there yet. So I'm going to say, time. I think that's going to be helpful to you. I don't think that's the main thing. I think that you just said something very, very important. You said, unless Jesus himself tells you that you're okay to be homosexual, you're not going to believe it. Do you realize that's what we're supposed to be to one another? that is our example. We're supposed to be Christ to one another. So that means that you have to learn to accept those people that are willing to sit down in the shit with you, put their arm around you and say, I love you no matter what. 
But what and you know what? The- I don't give a shit whether you believe it or not. I'm going to sit here and believe it for you until you can. And you're allowed to be in the muck as long as you want. I'm not moving. Get it. The, the Get problem. It. <laughs> By the way, I make everything about me. From Marco Polo to podcast. Stop apologizing for <laughs> don't yourself. Don't apologize. So, so that's your, that, don't, don't do that. So no, so you are 100% fine. Like that's. Absolutely. It's what not about a, you because okay, you're, you're I, the topic. But you're also, okay, <laughs> on the liberal side of issues. <laughs> And, and and both, all three of you, okay, social justice fighters, and you care about supporting the lowest in society. That is not the norm. So what do you, because this, okay, just throwing this out there, what about all the other dissenting voices? Because quite honestly, they're far louder. It's, but fuck they're not, I they're a, honestly, I a hearty fuck them too. so what I've had to come to terms with, with them, so we started a church in rebellion of the church, a church for people. <laughs> That's it. I, I'm, hell, I'm on the cusp of believing the fucking Old Testament matters not it's, in any form or fashion. It's just a book of shitty people learning how to not be so shitty, but still being really shitty. And the New Testament's kind of just where it's at, and that's all that really matters. And I'm on that fence of that. That's hypocrisy. And there's billions of dissenting voices on top of me just from even an interaction with a guy I've known for, fuck, 15, 16, 17, 18 years now, something like that. My best friend. And there's a dissenting voice from there. And it's not just fuck them. It's... It's that they're not there yet. It's that they well, have yet, their heart has yet to go. Let me say this. This doesn't fucking matter. Let me say this. Um, that was me last year. Um, I, I, Clay, Clay jumped to this side of non-conservatism, whatever you want to call it, that the LGBTQ community was more, was accepted by God way before I did. And he would constantly it's be like. It's called being a heretic. <laughs> <laughs> But he would constantly like I'm check in, like where are God you now? God is liberal. <laughs> yeah. He would check in, like where are you now? And I'm, I'm, I don't know because I, this is what I grew up with. And is it wrong? Am I going to hurt people by going to this side? Nothing in me wanted to agree with this side, but this is what I grew up with. This is what I knew. This is what I had been convinced of for twenty. 28 years but i had you as a friend and i had another friend come out to me and ask me what do you think of you know a, a bisexuals going to heaven and i i just was i i don't know and then she came out a week later and i had told her i don't know yet here's where i was i don't know where i'm going and a week later she comes out and i'm like i'm an asshole like it took that and 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 it wasn't it wasn't you and it wasn't her y'all weren't the wrong ones it was me I was the one who had been misinformed. I was the one who had believed wholeheartedly whoever told me that y'all weren't deserving of love and y'all weren't deserving of the entire gospel. Or that you had an agenda. <laughs> or that, you know, something something was wrong with you and I had to <laughs> fix it. You know, it was my job to fix. And you were never the problem. It was me. I was the problem. It was me not wanting to change. And so those other voices... They're not going, you know, they're, they're going to figure it out soon and maybe they won't, but that doesn't, and, yeah. that and doesn't the reality is you. if they don't, they don't, 
So that's a person you don't need in your life. I can tell you this, and I struggled with this for a long time at my very most conservative in depth, fully involved in the, in the evangelical conservative viewpoint. It never occurred to me one time to treat somebody shitty because they were homosexual ever. Yeah. It just didn't occur to me. I had a, a young man come into our church who ended up being homosexual. He ended up sleeping on my couch for two weeks. Um, he still calls me his California mom. Not too long ago, he made a comment to me that brought me to tears. He said, I can say a lot of things about a lot of people, Michelle, but I never one time doubted that you loved me no matter what. And that was full on in the middle of me believing that homosexuality was wrong. But it didn't occur to me that I should treat somebody shitty for it. Yeah. So the problem that we have here is what, what I said already. As soon as somebody steps outside of a loving response, they are no longer speaking for God. They are speaking from their own shit. Yeah. And so I think you have to set hard boundaries in your life. I think you have to surround yourself with the people that are showing you that they love you, even if they think it's wrong, even if they think there's a problem with it. And they have to allow you to have your process. So if you're struggling with this, you're struggling with it. That's your process. It's not my business to tell you to get out of it. It's my business to sit down with you and say, I'll share it with you. Because that's what Christ looks like, self-sacrifice. Yeah. The other being more important than myself. So all these people that are castigating people for homosexual behavior or whatever their vice of the day is that they're against, they're just simply being arrogant. Tattoos. See, honestly, sometimes... Oh, I'm going to hell now for okay. sure. <laughs> but sometimes, and I hear you on this, because there are a lot of loud voices. Yes. But sometimes the voices that hurt the most are the quiet voices. Of course. Always. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and it's, I don't have to have a conversation. I just know. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree wholeheartedly on specifically utilizing one support system in this, yeah. in this in this situation um and i just want to mention you know because we're honestly this conversation naturally leads itself down a path of deconstruction and just fyi that is michelle and i's next series on mental Heck yeah and so <gasps> yes. uh our our final episode of the imposter syndrome is uh, recorded and it's going to be edited hopefully coming out soon <laughs> it's probably out when this comes out mm -hmm. um and so for the entire month of august uh, five weeks, Michelle and I are going to be talking about deconstruction. And Michelle, talk a little bit about the power. Um, well, I came across a discussion on stages of power, where we where we come into our power throughout our lives. And of course, we, we begin life in a place of powerlessness, like, you know, we're very dependent upon yeah. other people. But along the way, we begin to find our, our power in achievement um an association and and then I, I don't have them in front of me but there's there's a whole bunch of different stages where our power comes from and as as we go through them and again i tried i was telling seth this i had a very hard time with that discussion because i kept putting a value judgment on each one of those stages mm -hmm. like finding your power in achievement was perceived as negative and i struggled with that because i'm like working on degrees and writing a book and doing all these things and suddenly i feel like somebody's telling me that finding my power and achievement is wrong. 
And they, they kept reiterating to me, there's no judgment here, but it lends itself to deconstruction because each one of those places is leading to a power of finding your power in self-examination. And so deconstruction happens in self-examination. That's, that's where we start questioning everything. And we may start with maybe our religious tenets. We may start with, you know, does God exist? But eventually, most of us are going to go through this process, and it's going to be a long process to where we're questioning our very identity, ourselves. So we're going to come back to imposter syndrome over and over, even in that, because we're going to constantly be evaluating who we are. And we're going to find, once again, we fall short. That's what deconstruction is. It's tearing down everything that you think you know and evaluating it and finding value or not. And this, so the, one of the things I think is so important here to mention is so often we hear this specifically around religious deconstruction, mm-hmm. but deconstruction is bigger than religious yes. deconstruction. Yeah. Oh yeah. And in Definitely. fact, as we talk about imposter syndrome, um, we actually, I mean, I don't care sharing our two month plan, but <laughs> in talking about imposter syndrome, it's going to come up a lot, Yeah. but in yeah. order to talk about religious deconstruction, we need to first take a, take a step back and look at this bigger picture because it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than just our religious beliefs where, as Michelle mentioned, identity absolutely um, is, is absolutely critical here. And, and so. I'm very excited. So, yeah. as no, you am I. well, and and again, going into the identity of how, where we find each one of ourselves in life, as and is our lifestyle something that is accepted? Because mm-hmm. we, we don't have to just be talking about homosexuality. We could be talking about a lot of things depending on what group of people we're associating with, mm-hmm. uh, as far as what's acceptable or not. And um, you know, we mentioned earlier that page that I came across, you know, we need debt-free virgins that have no tattoos. I mean, that's, that's a demographic. Apparently I had no idea and I'm screwed by the way, either way, that I'm, market, out, so. it's gone. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hell for sure. Um, but, but part of the problem and why religious deconstruction gets the top billing is because we are, most of our lives are so wrapped up in religious ideology. Yeah. It's ingrained in us. It's embedded in our culture and our society. And because of that, we have a tendency to start taking that apart first without recognizing that eventually we're going to take apart our own identity and ourselves because our identity is so wrapped up into that belief system. Yeah. And yep. if we question yep. that belief system Come and on. we take that apart, suddenly who are we? Come Where on. do we fit? Who am I if I am not a Christian? Exactly. And you have to come to some kind of terms with that. You have to find peace in that process. And it's not easy. I'm seven years in and some days I am just done. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go back. Let's just go back because at least I understood that. Like even through like what you were saying, Julia, all the crap that you did in church, exhausting yourself. At least you understood it. You knew what was next. There was was no surprises. Exactly. It was safe and comfortable, and I didn't have to do a lot of thinking. <laughs> That's right. Even though you were miserable and it sucked, oh god, you I didn't. So you didn't know. You you still knew what was around the corner. Now you no longer yeah. know. I had a schedule. I had a routine. I had yep. people that, yeah, and but and now funny... it's just every day is like a punch in the face. You just you get what you get. <laughs> 
Well, the funny thing is, and I don't know if it has any correlation with it at all. Once we stopped going to church for as long as I can remember, I remember having this horrible feeling of being surrounded by people, but nobody knowing me at all. Oh, yeah. Like, hands down. Like, everybody knows me. They know my name. They ask me how I am every single week, but nobody really genuinely knows who I am. Yeah. When we stopped going to church, that went away. I don't know how or why, but I don't. All of my friends right now are mostly atheists and agnostics and Wiccan. Wiccan. (laughs) It's funny who you find yourself in company with now, isn't it? But. I feel more known now than I did going to church, being around the same people every single week and giving my life away. But that feeling hasn't come back and it's not my depression. I'm like, Oh, it was my depression. It's my anxiety. That's what this is. Um, But no, that's still around. Those those relationships are lazy relationships. And, And I actually have said that for a long time. I wrote about it as well. When you go to church for years and years and years, you've developed relationships that revolve around a day of the week. Yeah. Because you just all happen to be in the same place at the same time. That's yeah. a lazy relationship. And you find that out very quickly when you're no longer a part of that community mm. that, wow, that was not a real relationship because real relationships take work. Yeah. They take you actively finding yourself involved, not just showing up at a building and happening to see the same people week after week, Yeah. you know, and, and it, for a while it's disappointing mm-hmm. because you realize how superficial life really was. So when you f- meet these people now, and as I said, now suddenly you find yourself friends with people that you would like never would have associated with before, but guess what? You now look like Jesus yep. because you're, you're down there with the people that the religious people would have nothing to do with. Well, and it's not even, I'm not like, and I know that this isn't what you were intending, but like, I, it's not even like I'm friends with them so I can convert them. That's no, how we started. The no chat. agendas. Yeah. No it's agendas. just, I care about you and I want to love you the best way I know how that is. Right. That's well, all it is right now. Well, once our identity and that side of, of, I guess to, to come back around our imposter syndrome was gone and we canceled that side. Uh, my imposter syndrome is not gone. Well, of, of, well that <laughs> corridor. Very in, that area, maybe. In, that in that area, maybe. In that area. We've canceled. We, we've literally just deleted that area of it well, you know of like are that gone. pressure to be that that forced i guess you know that that, that came on us it was e- conversation so we we've had the same friend group of atheists and whatever for years um and so we, we've had that forever and um but the relationships changed for the better because our identity was us it was finally learning to accept just portions of us right you know like big identity for me was you know dyeing my hair purple and pink when i turned 30 that that was a <laughs> deliberate thing because that was me becoming me because and how long ago was that uh that was i'm 31 so last year oh my god i'm so old <laughs> last year last year i i decided i'm gonna grow it out i'm going to do this thing and that was me because in the church we were at part of the thing was men dressed a certain way men looked a right certain of way. course yeah. beards short hair it was all very yes. one look you wore plaid you know um you know that was a requirement it was a requirement i was part of acts 29 stuff so it was a requirement oh my goodness <laughs> 29 yeah yeah i was very big acts 29 guy went to boot camps everything oh my um, gosh and so 
you know, doing that for me was getting my own identity. And it's now part of who I am. And that's been so incredibly freeing that I'm not bound. My identity is not bound in something else. And that was so just revolutionary for me to, to feel that way. You know, um, and of course, there's other parts of my life, like in my job, I've done the same career for five, six years now. And the same thing of of maintenance, I know how to fix things. But you know, anything goes wrong in your apartment house, whatever, I can fix it. But I still doubt myself on my job. Do I really know how to fix that? Really? Like, I've only done it 900 times. But really, (laughs) you know, that still will exist. And I got to get over that. Is it the most professional way to do it? Right. Or whatever. But like, what what other people do this way? Is the inspector going to come and kick me out of my job? Right. But but I'm more. I have more years' experience than my regional manager over <laughs> half the country. Jeez. You know, like I'm more qualified than he is at the same job. But no, and this and this is a multi-layer thing because, like y'all said, deconstruction plays into imposter syndrome. You know, everything's connected. It, it's all so connected and interwoven that it's it's where do you even start? But I think the bigger question well, is... you can start by going to Mental Podcast. Well, I mean, you and, can. <laughs> um, and learning more. And listening more. to the series yeah. to learn more so you can do that self-introspection but, and begin yeah. that work. But I think the last question would be, what can we do as individuals to fix it? I know we've talked about a lot thing, but a very pointed thing well, to you assist. Just said a, no, you got to go back really quick. You just used a word I'm not okay with. Yep. So, um, sorry, <laughs> I'm not going to let you finish that question. Okay, so... What'd how do we say? how do we oh, make it, it better? Oh, how do we make it yeah. better? Yeah, how do we not, help we're not people? Here to fix people? No, but we're here to yeah. to fix yes. wrongs people have done to others, like like judgment. How do we Still get people like out of these things? Uh, um, re- that's how I mean that. Repair. How do we repair then? How do we repair these damages Grow. that the church has done? <laughs> yeah, I, I um, think you, you're down to just all you can do is work on yourself, and in Grow. in your evolution then you begin to, you know, you begin to change how you treat other people. You begin to see how you're, you see yourself differently. You know, it, everything, it, it, and it's easy to get caught in this trap of thinking like, how do I fix other people or how do I fix myself? So I'm a better, you know, advocate for other people or whatever. It really should just be, how do I get to be a better person? Yeah. Fix carries with it a negative connotation. In order to fix something, we, we don't it has fix to be broken. things that are okay. We right. only fix things that are broken. It implies that there is something wrong with you, which in fact is the entire crux of imposter syndrome. Um, mm. so, so I just, that, that word in any way, shape or form, I just don't like being used around this topic because no, that's we, fair. We don't, fair like, enough. That's fair. One of the things I learned really quickly as a, ther- as a licensed clinician, as a therapist was that my job is not to fix people. My job is to give people the tools to make the changes right. themselves. And, and that's really even looking at internal progress. Um, it, it's not like this is going to be fixed tomorrow. Um, it, it's really this continual growing and adapting and, and really self-awareness. Again, I want to come back to that as being the first step here. Um, it, it's recognizing where this is showing up in your life and, and then recognizing what the hell is happening right then. Mm-hmm. Start identifying. And I know it's a trick. I know it's a word. I, I know it's a buzzword, <laughs> but start 
noticing maybe some triggers. Yeah, I hate that word. I know. <laughs> I love that word just because of uh, I didn't know it existed and that triggers but actually I, exist in your life. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, it's I, true. It just gets overused. I think. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it gets For used me, as a slur. Yeah. And I use it, see, and it's so weird because it, I'm in my clinical brain right now. And <laughs> I use triggers in every safety plan. And I talked about suicide for four hours today. So ah. triggers is something that I right. talked about because that's <sighs> something I incorporate in every safety plan. Because what is it that led the person to that? Sure. And, and that's valid. Yeah. You know, so, and I think it applies here in imposter syndrome that we first have to, one, be self-aware and then start looking at what's going on in that moment what's happening internally at that time hmm. um and is there a pattern that's yeah. really good and the pattern is that's a very good point um i think the only other thing i would say with that is and and i'm going to say the same thing when it comes to deconstruction because this was very good advice that was given to me the only way through out of this is through it yep You've mm. got to do the process. You've got to do the work. And, the and you may wish you didn't have to or that you could go back, but it, at the end of the day, you got to go through it. So this is the same thing. And, and so what Seth has said has, is very beneficial. Recognizing where it comes from, being mindful of where you are, and just do the work. It's not fun. Fine. It's not a popular <laughs> answer either because everybody wants a quick fix. No. Well, yeah, because it, it takes so long <laughs> to become self-aware. Like it took years for me to be self-aware about yeah. being bipolar, you right. know, and that if I am off meds, I have a timer about three months until suicide becomes like mm -hmm. the option. Right. And I know that. And it took years to become self-aware of that, of like tracking it. And it, it, I, that is, that's a hundred percent accurate of becoming self aware mm -hmm. because, be, you know, we are our own worst enemies and, you know, like as a bipolar person getting inside my own head is a dangerous place. Um, you know, because uh, it's, I, I, you are killing me. I am being like the, <laughs> he's in his therapeutic mind. <laughs> you are, you're just triggering so much. You oh. are not a bipolar person. <laughs> You a uh, you uh, apparently a from what you're sharing. Bipolar. I, I, I a know what I did. With Don't a worry. diagnosis of yes. bipolar, just want to no no, <laughs> and I and I understand that, and so I I treat my bipolar differently because I have to. It's my coping with it mechanism more right. so than anything. It, it's okay. yeah yeah like I tr I 100 percent agree. Gonna call you in a couple of days and be like, let's oh, talk. Trust <laughs> no no, and that like no, and you're you're 100 percent right. I am a person with bipolar, and that's a. Uh, something that I have like diabetes and it's, it's something, diabetes. you know, and I get that and I'm, I accept that. And I know that's a dr oh, drastic oversimplification of the entire thing. Um, All the therapists around the world just woke up and like something's wrong. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I do refer to my, my dark periods as my old friend. Like my suicidal periods is my old friend because I got really comfortable with that old friend and I kind of miss him, um, you know, and that's a whole nother topic. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but no, so, but yeah, looking inside and looking at ourselves is, is huge and it is hard and it is mucky and it is worse oh. than anyone else just going, hey, if you jump through this hoop, that hoop and this hoop, like the church tells us to do, I can do that. 
because I can I can at least no, attempt to jump through the damn hoop. It takes work to stop yourself in the middle of that spiral of yeah. going, oh, here's all the ways it could be better. Go stop. Okay, wait, I need to stop and step back. And why am I doing this? Yeah. It's a lot well, we, easier and we just kind of talked about that. It. We talked yeah. about the idea that you take yourself out of the situation. Yeah. To remove yourself from the emotion and observe. Yeah. And that takes that that takes a lot of work to be able to just stop yourself and, and go, I need to stop and look at this holistically, not just yes. um, when you step out of the situation and look at yourself. Treat yourself as you would your friend. Ugh. Absolutely. Your friends, you are going to, we inherently God. believe that people are good hearted and good people, but we believe that we are inherently bad and horrible yeah. people. Yep. And, and you will give your friend the benefit of the doubt time oh. and time at hell. When are we supposed to record this podcast? Uh, you know, you will give people the benefit of the doubt for your friends time and time and time again, but we don't give that to ourselves. Right. So yeah. when you step out of that situation and you look at yourself and, and what's happening, rather than being self-critical and analyzing what you could have done different, think about, hmm, if this was Clay, well, maybe not Clay, if this was a <laughs> friend of yours, how would you respond? And, and go off of that. Right. Yep, because it's probably know that. a far more accurate picture. <laughs> I know that, but I can't convince myself that it needs to happen. <laughs> Takes uh, practice. Yeah. yeah. It does. Of work. And a lot of grace. And, well, I think everything we talked about here, just coming to the realization of the entire concept here, th this entire time takes practice to get to this point. You know, it, it takes a lot of mental breakdown, deconstruction, and admitting we have these things, admitting that, you know, we have imposter syndrome on some form or scale admitting you know maybe there's another mental illness that's in there that that's coming out of or feeding into or something else is connected or whatever it may be um and so it just it takes time uh, you know and it, it takes does. it takes vulnerability i mean yeah. i think yeah. that that's another thing uh, Brene brown is very big for saying that we all need to learn how to be very vulnerable um I mean, you have to be smart about it. Obviously, you need to be vulnerable with the right people. But learning how to be vulnerable and and saying, "I'm really feeling this right now," because the more we vocalize something and bring it out into the open, the the more we're apt to deal to deal with it, and others are able to understand it. And we will find that compassion, um, probably not from everybody, but from most people. So learning. So when you're really struggling with imposter syndrome and and you're stressing, you know, who is who is somebody that I can trust to tell me the truth? And say, hey, here's what I'm thinking right now. And then allow them to speak to you. <laughs> and and believe them. Because you're picking somebody you trust. Yep. Believe them so believe even them. if they say things that you don't think are true. Like, yeah, you're doing and a it's good hard. job. I, I totally get it because <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. horrible at it. <sighs> That's so good, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for having us. Yeah, no problem. No, thank y'all for slugging along and, and going along with us. We we so much appreciate that. It's been amazing. Thank um, you. Those who are listening, please go out and check out the other episodes if you are curious or you just want to know more. Yeah, this go go and check out the mental podcast. They do such um, a good job. Go and listen and get ready, everyone, for for deconstruction as well. Like, cause that, that's going to be so important, especially if you go and listen to, um, 
the uh, imposter syndrome episodes, it's going to be so important going into that next set, just like they said. Um, So where can they find all of y'all's stuff? Where's everything located at? Give give every where they can plug it all. Plug it all. This series will actually be released in two places. Ooh. It will be available. Now, imposter syndrome is only on the Fade Gray Network. Um, and you can find it um, on any podcast app except Podbean. And in September, no, sorry. Wow, what month is it? It's July. In <laughs> August. So in August. August. <laughs> Um, you'll be able to find Mental both on the Faded Gray Network as well as its own Podbean account. Nice. Um, and awesome. I would also refer you um, to Michelle's podcast, Bookish, and also to the Fade to Gray podcast and the Faded Gray Network, of which the Reapcast and Mental are both So, yeah. And you can check out essentially information on all of our different podcasts at FadedToGrayPodcast.com. Heck and yeah. And check us out on Facebook. <laughs> and try to trigger Michelle. That's really <laughs> send her nice messages to combat all the bad ones. Uh, I typically do my media. rants in writing on all, Facebook. All Seth the, just gets the video version. <laughs> all the reapcasters no, need but to the go Facebook's and look so good. <laughs> all the reapcasters need to go and tell Michelle she has America's ass. That's just <laughs> what we need to happen. I literally had somebody not... say that to me one time <laughs> on Instagram, though. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. I was confused as to what that meant, to be honest. I was like, I, I don't know what you're trying to say. It's a reference it's from... An Avengers. It's an Avengers movie, Captain America. Oh. America's okay. ass. He's yeah. looking back on himself and somebody goes, that's America's ass. I got it now. It's a compliment. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so it was a nice compliment. Oh, yeah. I yes. was really confused. Yes. I was like, and it was a woman that told me that. And I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's a nerdy, nice compliment. Okay, um, well, that's good. good. Yeah. And I'll take it because I'm an old broad, so <laughs> I'll take all the compliments I can get. So. <laughs> all right. Well, it has been an amazing time. Again, thank you all so, so much. It's been such a great uh, thank conversation. Thank you. It's been, this has been amazing. Um, but yeah, guys, go and check out Mental. Um, go and check out Bookish um, and everywhere else. Um you get your podcast, you can get to listen to the network. It has a bunch of different podcasts of all, well, styles and variants. There's a game show on there <laughs> called Movies That Molded Me um, yeah. with uh, two very cocky hosts about winning. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's Your Atheist Pastor. Um, you can listen or not listen to that one. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> And of course, mentals on there. Go check them out. And of course, you can get recast. Well, wherever you find, wherever you found at, this, wherever you found this <laughs> at. Hey, you're doing good. Thank you. And if you like what you hear, um, go to our Patreon and show some love. Um, heck, if you like what you hear, go and show mental some Patreon love as well. Um, because we want to keep doing this, and it's not about. Um, necessarily getting support but man it helps um, so go and show some love go check out the Facebook page and um, yeah uh, this has been Reapcast and y'all have a good one <laughs>